to take a moment right now just to honor scripture um, by reading together. So if you're not already, would you please stand? And I'm going to read the passage that we're going to be hearing and learning from this morning. And then at the end, make sure I remember this right, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. Okay. (laughs) And you guys are going to all say together, thanks be to God. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Maya. Please have a seat. Thanks, Adam. It's so good to be with you. If you're here in the room, it's great to see you. Uh, if you're watching online, hopefully you can say it's great to see us. Um, it's really good to be gathered together like this. I'm Tim. I'm the lead pastor here. And I want to share uh, two, two quick things before we pray and, and dive into uh, the scripture we just heard read. Um, the, the first is that uh, there's a, a season coming up that starts in a week and a half, and it's called Lent. And uh, you may have heard that before. You may have thought that belie- belonged to kind of another faith or tribe or system of belief. And uh, within our church family, we've been acknowledging the season of Lent that's, that begins with Ash Wednesday. Uh, it's March 2nd this year. And I just mentioned that because uh, beginning that following Sunday after that, which is March 6th, uh, we're going to be providing a guide that goes along with this kind of study of Luke that we've been going through. We've been looking at one particular book of the Bible, the book of Luke, for a number of weeks now, and we will uh, continue on. We're in uh, the fourth chapter. We're finishing up the fourth chapter. There's 24 chapters. It's going to take a while. 
But through Lent, we're going to be providing this guide that's a way for you to interact again throughout the week with Scripture. It's also a great opportunity to invite one, two, or three other people maybe together to do that with you at some point during, during the week. So just wanted to give you a heads up that that's coming. I want to say thanks to a few volunteers that are helping make that happen and produce that. Um, the other thing is this, and, and Adam already acknowledged it when he broke uh, almost two mics right in front of us, and we had just acknowledged that this is not working over here. And um, we have a team of volunteers who get here really early on Sundays and work really hard to make this environment something that points us to Jesus and helps us hear from and engage with God on a weekly basis. And they work really hard so stuff like this doesn't happen. Uh, and then Adam shows up. And, no, um, it's not Adam. It's our, all of our tech stuff is, a, is not in a great place, which is why we're doing now next. And you can look up more information on that. But can we just give that team of volunteers who largely are in the booth back there just a hand and... And if you're online and you're like, what, this all looks, looks perfect and everything's been smooth and easy, yeah, just, just come visit in person sometime, it, you'll see. Um, it, our clapping is intended to communicate to you that uh, we know none of this was your fault and we thank you and you guys are doing an awesome job and appreciate all your hard work. So, there we go. Would you do this, would you pray with me and then we're gonna, we're gonna pick up in Luke 4 uh, in, after we're done praying. So let's, let's just bow our heads again, close our eyes and take a pause uh, in this morning. God, in this brief moment of silence, would you impress upon us that you are here? That not only are you here, but we have stepped into your time and your space and your moment. We've, we've joined with you. And there's something deep in our souls that longs for an engagement with you, that longs for a, a word from you, that longs to, to hear from you. And so in the midst of, of just what is good for our souls, to, to lift our voices and sing, to, to raise our hands and acknowledge that you are good and powerful and just and loving and forgiving and full of mercy, that you're good. And so would you meet us in, in this moment? And Holy Spirit, we, we not only invite you to move and have your way, but we need you to. We need you to speak to us in ways that recalibrate how we see reality and the world and how we see ourselves and how we see you. Would, you. would you meet with us? Would you comfort us? Would you change us? Would you challenge us? Would you heal us? Holy Spirit, move and work right now in this time. And Jesus, we have enjoyed and loved learning more of who you are as we've read your word. As we've moved through the book of Luke, we've gotten to know you more, and would that happen again today for us right now? Would you reveal more of who you are in this moment? It's in your name that we pray, amen. This, uh, if, if you've read the book of Luke or if you've paid attention at all over the next number of weeks or maybe even just if you've shown up and you're just like, I'm not even sure why I'm here. One of the things that, that happens when we gather like this, one of the things that happens when we go to scripture and specifically when we read the book of Luke is we find answer to this question that all of us needs to ask and are asking on a regular basis and that's who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And you can't be in a place in a moment like this, you can't open up scripture and that question not come up in some way. You can avoid it or pretend it's not there, but this, this question keeps coming up of who is Jesus? And when we read particularly the book of Luke, and it's gonna happen again today as we look at these verses, is that we get an answer to who Jesus is. 
we find out more of who he is. It's, it's, we didn't plan it this way. We just said, hey, we're going to start teaching through Luke. And it, as it's happened, we just get to know Jesus because Luke wants us to get to know Jesus. It's a question that if we try to avoid or dodge or not really look closely at or move on too quickly, we miss who Jesus is, the Savior of the world, as we're going to hear today, the Holy One of God, God's Son. But we're also going to learn something more, and that's about um, what kind of power and authority that he has. These stories of Jesus are just fascinating. They're entertaining. And as you heard, if you heard as Maya read, uh, there's, this, there's this healing, this um, exorcism of a guy who's demon-possessed. Now, we've all seen some form of that displayed on a movie or a show in some way of what it means to be demon-possessed, that somebody is out of control and has a power that is over them and in them in some way that's not good. This, this story tells us very clearly it's evil or it's impure. And Jesus heals that person. That's a miracle. And then he moves on to, to Simon, who we later learn is Peter, Simon Peter, and he heals Simon Peter's mom of a fever. And uh, if, for us, a fever today is like, uh, that's inconvenient. It interrupts my week schedule. I don't feel good. Um, but Jesus uh, healed Simon Peter's mom in an instant by, by rebuking it and telling it to move on to someone else. Uh, my wife is an emergency room uh, nurse, and whenever I feel bad or have something wrong with me, I go to her and go, hey, can you, can you fix this? Like, you're a nurse, right? You can do this. And after her education and after being uh, a, a nurse for six years now, I am learning, I'm a slow learner, that there are lots of things that she can't fix in an instant. Um, this is a constant ongoing debate in our home. Honey, I don't feel good. Will you, will you fix this? And she says, oh, you, can't, you just have to ride that out. And I go, oh, uh, we, we paid for you to go to nursing school and you're working on it. Don't you have this? Can't you just fix me? Can't you no, that's not how it works. And uh, I respond like a child and am displeased. And, and then we, she leaves the room and lets me sit there. Um, I've also learned something called a, uh, maybe you've heard, that, heard this. Uh, um, Abby tells me it's a medical term. It's a man cold. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Um, I'm certain I've never had one. She's told me I have one regularly. Um, and so that's not, you can just go look that up. I'm sure it's in a medical book somewhere. It's when a guy has a, a cold that if a woman had, they, they just wouldn't complain, they'd just go on. But when a guy has it, they go to the hospital or to the emergency room and can't move. Do you know what this is? Yeah, I don't believe in that either. Okay, so I, I don't know, but she tells me that that's a real thing and that they deal with it regularly in, in, in the emergency room. So. Um, but the point in all that is that Simon Peter's mom was healed, and Jesus did that. And so if you have a man called, go to Jesus. That, that's the point. Jesus does these, these two miracles, and then what follows is all of these other miracles. He heals all these other people. And then he goes off to a solitary place. This story, this section of Scripture answers the question for us more fully, which we're gonna learn happens. We, we're in this rapid succession of events as we're moving through chapters three and chapters four. Jesus was baptized. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he goes off into the desert and he does battle with, with Satan and he's tempted. And then right after that, he's rejected in his hometown of Nazareth when he reads this beautiful passage of prophecy from Isaiah. He's rejected by those who know him well after he's taught in the synagogue there and reads that. He's rejected and then immediately after that, he does these miracles. And after this, if you look in your Bibles, there's little headings and Jesus does this, Jesus taught this, Jesus did this over and over. This is who Jesus is, this is what he does over and over and over. We're inundated with this picture and story and reality of who Jesus is. But these are his first two 
miracles, miracles. When I say miracles, I wonder what we all imagine or think. When I say miracles, many of us are fighting this default position that says, I don't know that those are really true. Some of us would say it's part of our faith. We understand that Jesus performed miracles. Miracle is a a supernatural event that, that goes outside the bounds of what we understand as nature. So what I wanna do is just briefly review what miracles did in scripture and then also what they mean for us today because they help us understand who Jesus is. So here's, here's what miracles are. The first thing, uh, the miracle is it's an event that demonstrates Jesus' authority. When Jesus performs a miracle, one of the things that's happening in that is that it's, it's demonstrating that Jesus has authority over whatever he just did. When we read a miracle story, when I read a miracle story, I immediately put myself in the place of the person who had the demon cast out of them or who is healed, or who can walk again or who can see again. All these wonderful, amazing things that Jesus did are miracles. They demonstrate Jesus' authority. And we can put ourselves in the place of the person who is healed or given sight or exercised, has a demon exercised from them. We can put ourselves in that position. But as we read the story now today, we're reading it and we're seeing that Jesus has authority over all of those things. The second thing that it is, is it's a signpost of the kingdom of God. At the end of our text today, it says that Jesus moved on. He didn't stay where he did all these things, which is, again, Jesus does this as a habit of what he does. He teaches and people are amazed. He does miracles and people are amazed and what they want him to stay at their town, right? We would all want that. Jesus, stay in Portland, stay in Vancouver. Can you just limit yourself to the Pacific Northwest and stay here? Because you're amazing and you do these things and you bring healing and wholeness and truth. It's amazing and we're astonished. Would you stay here? And Jesus says, nope, I gotta move on. And we found out, find out that he is sent to move from town to town and he goes into synagogue after synagogue and he teaches these, this new hope, this truth that people don't have and then he heals. But in doing all that, he says, I need to teach the good news of the kingdom of God. And what the kingdom of God is, is God's power, rule, and reign coming in to the created world, to our lives, to the lives of those around us, our family and friends, to systems of the world, to very nature itself, the created order, that God's rule and reign, the way it is intended to be. And we know that we live in a world that is not the way that it's intended to be. And when Jesus is doing a miracle that we read about some 2,000 years ago, it's a signpost that says, hey, there's a, there's a sign of it. There's a picture of it. Abby and I got uh, to go away for a few nights uh, a few weeks ago, and we went to an area. It was really near uh, Lapine, if you know where that is. It's a beautiful area, um, but it's also nowhere. Lapine is in the middle of nowhere, and we were just outside of nowhere a little bit. And um, we were off kind of this, this uh, paved road, and we were on a dirt road for a little bit, and then we came to this, this Airbnb that we rented for a couple nights. And as we walked around that area, again, on a dirt road, not paved, and we found a couple trails and went on, there are people that are building homes out there because they want to be away from everybody else. And there was this, this post in the ground and it had all of these different kinds of wood, different shapes, different colors tacked onto it. And on it were written people's names and addresses and names of little homes and houses. And it was all put there so that folks knew where to go. And so it was the name of this house with this address. And okay, I could go down there and I'd find a little cabin that somebody built on a river and I knew it was there. And it was these signposts. And as we went on this hike and walked around, we saw, okay, there was a sign that that, that, that actual wood matches the wood of the cabin that was there. That, that's telling me that that's something there. And I could stand there and look at that post and go, where do I want to go? 
When Jesus performs a miracle, it's a sign to all of those who experience it or that are there that there's something else going on here. That that man who was demon-possessed, if you can imagine that man being your friend, I picture him like an old high school friend that I haven't seen in a number of years, and, and then I run into him again and realize he's not the same person. And the, the town that he's in, that Jesus meets him in, is he's, he's possessed, and everybody has just gotten used to him being possessed. He's that guy. And they make allowances for him and keep, try to keep him safe and make sure he doesn't harm himself, but he's not who he was intended to be. There's something wrong with him. He's suffering from something. And when Jesus heals him, it tells everyone around him, not just that Jesus has authority, but oh, there's something else here that we're now invited into and we can see that it's real. It's not, it's not fully taken shape with everything around us, but it's a sign that something else is more powerful than what we've gotten used to. It's a signpost to the kingdom of God. And the third thing is this, that it reveals, miracles reveal a cosmic battle between evil and Jesus. That Jesus is in about a few weeks ago, we, we read this verse. It's in a, uh, uh, chapter, what is it, three or four, um, four, 12, no, what is it? Put it up. Um, reveal the, the cosmic battle between evil and Jesus. Boom. Okay, I'm going to look it up. Jesus heads out uh, four, four, one and two. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan where he was just baptized and led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. Jesus heads out for 40 days, doesn't eat, is tempted by the devil. And what we have right after he's baptized is this, this story, this occurrence in Jesus' life of him doing battle with the devil. And he resisted with scripture and we talked all through that a few weeks ago. But what it is, is it's telling us that there's a battle going on that is real and we often can't see it. And when we do see it, we often wanna minimize it or diminish it in some way. But there is always and ever a constant cosmic battle going on between good and evil, between Jesus and the devil. Paul writes it this way in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, for the things that we can see and measure and touch and know about and experience personally, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's a lot of description, and that might actually sound scary, and to some level it should. It's this reality that we wanna turn away from and not acknowledge or maybe choose to believe that it doesn't exist. And yet, the story of scripture, and specifically the story of Jesus, is one of constantly doing battle with a spiritual world, with a cosmic world that is real and is part of our existence, whether we wanna acknowledge it and pray against it and work against it, or whether we wanna pretend it does not exist. But there is a battle going on. And Jesus, when he does a miracle, what it does is it says, he is doing battle against evil all the time, and he's more powerful than it. He has victory over it over and over again. And just to tell you where Luke goes, is it says a whole bunch of miracles and a whole bunch of battle, and then Jesus is crucified and buried because he's dead. And then the ultimate victory over evil is that he conquers the most powerful thing, that is death, and rises again. And so miracles throughout the book of Luke 
do this. They, they demonstrate that Jesus has authority. They point to signs of the kingdom showing up in our world today. And they remind us that there's this battle that's always going on. But it doesn't just stop there. It continues into our world today, right? And one of the things that prevents many of us in our world is that if we can look, look over history, and we don't need to do a, a class on, on history of thought or philosophy or, or science right now. I know it's Sunday morning. We don't need to dive into all of those things. But if we just do a quick overview of where humanity has come, particularly in Western civilization, because that's where we live. We live in a Western-shaped, Western mindset world here in Portland, Vancouver, metro area. We're shaped by that. We know as we look at, at, at Western Europe that we're rapidly becoming more like them, where, where faith in a good and loving God, and specifically in the personal work of Jesus Christ, is diminishing rapidly. And part of that is because of where thought and culture has come over the last several hundred years. But, but largely, over the last few hundred years, understanding science and more of the real world has moved us closer and closer into a, a closed boxed, what's called a closed system, where we can understand everything and advances in technology in the last few decades have just reinforced that. And there is this battle going on within each and every one of us, is what is humanity able to have power over, that we're able to understand, that we're able to engineer against? And what still remains that we can't understand and that we have no hope of ever having power over? And what we have been in advancing rapidly towards is trying to push everything into the box so that we can manage it. And what's happening, and I find it extremely hopeful, is that the, the most recent generations, if I can say it, the, the younger half of us are moving from a disenchanted world where everything can go in the box and we can, we can measure and calculate everything to a more enchanted view of the world where we know that there are things out there that we can't understand. There is a lot behind that of what's changing in philosophy and changing in culture, but millennials in particular and then Zs even more so look at the world and go, I, I know I can't understand all of it. I have longings that can't be, can't be served well and solved and healed and answered, that I have a longing deep inside me. And the scientific method in and of itself and advances in technology itself can't bring hope and healing to this world. Because as we look back over recent history, what we see is all of the advances that we've done, we still do great harm to humanity. And so there's something that is limited and wrong in all of that. And so what we have is now generations, and increasingly so, our culture is open to an answer that doesn't rest solely on what we can engineer and what we can scientifically prove. And what a wonderful opportunity for the person and work and the story of Jesus Christ to be inserted right into that and to say, you know what? There's a person who does miracles at the very moment and spot that humanity needs miracles to show up. These stories tell that Jesus has power and authority over the forces of evil in our world. Who is Jesus? He's the son of the holy God who has power and authority over the forces of evil in our world. And he demonstrates it in two ways. One is over demons and one is over disease. These are present in our world today. Demons and disease. We don't need to go on all understanding of, of what demons is and how that looks today, but the devil torments people today through demons. There are spiritual forces of this world that we're not going to show up in science class, that we can't point to, 
but we know that there is something wrong and that's part of it. And then we know that there's disease in this world, that people suffer and hurt and die because of disease in this world and that that's not right. And Jesus has power over both of those things. I wanna read through these quickly and then I want us to do something different together this morning that's just a little bit different than we normally do. But listen to these stories again. In verse 33, in the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away, Why do you, what do you want with us? Jesus of Nazareth. So they identify who Jesus is, they know exactly where he's from. Have you come to destroy us, they ask. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus, not afraid of being rude, says this, be quiet, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man before them, before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power, there's those two words, with authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out and the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area, which of course it would. With somebody that they've, is in the synagogue, is hanging out regularly, is around all the time. They've gotten used to him even injuring himself. He's demon possessed and Jesus shows up and just speaks. And I wonder about all the other things that were tried to help him that Jesus didn't try. If you had a friend that was possessed by a demon, all of the, the, the work that you would go to, all of the things that you and I would try to, all of the things that they tried, I'm sure, what his parents tried to do, they, they prayed for him, that somebody else with a different belief system came and probably tried to, to burn something in front of him, hoping that the incense would heal him in some way, that they tried to restrain him, that they tried to, to teach him. They tried to maybe make him go away and he came back. All of the things he did and Jesus does, shows up and does what? He speaks that Jesus not only has the authority to say those things, but that it's followed up with the power, the capacity, the resources to actually make that demon move. And it moved out of him and he was not harmed. And there's a radical change in healing that went on with that man. And Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever. Again, he just spoke. He spoke to the fever, which is pretty fascinating. And it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. This is kind of interesting if you think about it, because you know, I don't know if you're like me, but I read this and I, I, I kind of can easily slip into kind of skepticism mode or to pull a story like this down into my human understanding and say, well, well, the fever wasn't that bad. It was kind of like what I've been told I've had, which is a man cold, that, that she had a man cold and Jesus came up and kind of said, hey, get over it. And then what does she do? She gets up and starts serving the people in the house. There's a doctor who is writing this story. This is a doc. Luke understood exactly what was going on with her. He understood more than anybody else aside from Jesus what was going on with Simon Peter's mom. And a fever at that time was not just, hey, buckle down, I'll bring you some chicken soup. It was, you might die because you have a fever. And so Simon Peter says, Jesus, you're pretty amazing. I'm just getting to know you, but you just... You just exercise that demon out of this guy. Hey, will you come and help my mom because she may pass away, she may die. And so she went from a deathbed to a few moments later getting up and serving the whole household. This is no comment about her role in the culture and household that's going on there. What it is is it's saying she was on her deathbed and the next she was fully doing the normal things that she always did. She was completely healed. She wasn't wrapped up in a robe, coughing and sneezing around in the kitchen. She was fully healed up and doing what she normally did that Jesus spoke to a fever. I wish my wife could do that. 
I wish as a nurse she could say, Tim's fever, get out of him. Tim's man cold, run away, and I would be healed. She doesn't have the same power and authority that Jesus has. He, he simply spoke to it. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses, laying, laying his hands on each one, he healed them. So now he's just doing it over and over more. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. It's so fascinating that Jesus is regularly limiting his press releases. If we do anything impressive, check that. If we do anything, we wanna record it and post it. And Jesus is like, nope, demons, you're gonna be quiet. You're not gonna go publicize all the impressive things I just did. This is for those who are right here and can see it. You don't need to go spreading the word. He consistently limits it. And what he wants is the people to experience him not some newscast about him, but to experience him. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. So this happened all night, all night. As soon as the sun goes down, everybody starts bringing him. That's related to the Sabbath. The day's over. Now they can bring their sick. It's nighttime, and he goes all through the night. At daybreak, when the sun gets up, he goes off to a solitary place. He's sure he's tired. People were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns because this is why I was sent, and he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. We can answer the question of who is Jesus by knowing that he's the Holy One of God, he's the Son of God who has power and authority then and now against the forces of evil in this world. And you and I experience and come face to face and suffer at the forces of evil in this world. We can name it all different kinds of things. But scripture tells us that's what's at the root, that's what it is. There's a sickness in this world because of sin and the presence of evil, and we suffer from it. And we are hardwired to try to make it through on our own. And many times that doesn't go well. And we have, at the tip of our tongue, at the depths of our soul and in our minds, the ability and the freedom, and we're actually invited to call out to Jesus and say, Jesus, will you come and help me with your power and your authority to heal me where I'm broken, to help me where I'm weak, to forgive me where I've gone wrong, and to change me and to change the world around me. And so we can talk and tell the story of who Jesus is, that he has the power to do that today, right here and now. And the way that we wanna do that together this morning is, is that I've invited a few friends that have been praying this week for us this morning, and they're going to come up here right now, and Sean and Sue and Howard and Kim are going to lead us in a moment of prayer, because they've been praying and saying, Jesus, what is it that you want to do within us, within Mosaic, within Portland, within our world today, where evil has shown up and had little glimpses of victory? where it's harmed us, you guys can come up, where it's harmed us and hurt us, where we've suffered because of that. And so they're gonna pray against those things that they've each been praying this week and um, are gonna lead us in a time. And they're gonna give you some ideas on how you can respond in the moment. Um, if you're watching online, uh, please don't log off, fully participate in this. 
Um, if you want to pray with somebody, there's a, a prayer button that you can click on, and there'll be somebody to pray with you and to respond with you. If you're in the room and at any time you want to walk to the side, there's going to be, um, I think over here is uh, Adam and Emily, and over here will be Connor uh, and then Kim. And uh, so if you want to go and pray with somebody right now, we have come through and are still in a unique season of, of struggle, of pain, of loss. And all of us have had things that have, have taken root in our life that are not good, that have begun to shape how we experience the world. And whether you're here in the room or you're watching online right now, we're gonna take some time just to pray wherever the Spirit led each of you this, this past week as you've prayed. Um, and would you lead each and every one of us um, in this time? This, I'm sure this is Adam's fault, but. Adam. I'll go with the red Okay, how about this? All right. I'm Sean, and um, thanks, Tim. It's an honor to be here and pray with you guys. Just real quick, as we enter into prayer, and it's going to be four of us praying, so it's going to take a little bit of time. You might notice yourself drifting. That's just natural. It's okay. But w pay attention as you come back and you're listening to these prayers just to the ones that you sense an invitation from God for you. Just kind of notice. Some of these are going to feel like they're maybe not for you, but others you might notice it's kind of an invitation from God. Pay attention to that. And like Tim was saying, if you're online, hit the prayer button. There's somebody there. If you're here, you can go to the people in the wings. The other thing you might notice is that none of the prayers feel like they applied to you. They may not have felt relevant. And you might notice kind of a frustration like, man, what I really wanted prayer for was, or what I was really hoping to hear was deliverance from or healing from. Well, pay attention. That's, that's a desire that you have that God's given you for that thing that you want prayer for. So pay attention to these things. I'm going to be praying for specifically healing from spiritual blindness, that the distortions we have of God and ourselves, God would heal. Let us pray. Holy Father, Son, Spirit, we've been talking about you today and every time we're here. Jesus, we're talking about your authority and your power. And we believe you are real. We believe you are here. We believe you're with us now. And so I just want to ask in the powerful name of Jesus to heal spiritual blindness, where there are those of us who don't see you as you are, the Christ, the risen King. For those of us who just can't see where you are in our circumstances. For those of us who just aren't looking in the right places and are looking to other things, God, heal us of the blindness. Like it said in the scripture passage today that that these demons even recognize who you are. God, help us to recognize who you are. And then as we see you as you are, the right picture of who you are, it would stir in us a desire to know who you are. It would be the gateway to opening our hearts to wanting to know you. So those images that we've had of you that are distorted, that are skewed, we've had since a kid or we've 
whatever's happened in our life that has just kind of seen you a certain way that isn't correct, God, would you correct that? And then for ourselves, Father, where we are see ourselves in a distorted way. There's some narrative we keep telling ourselves about what life is always going to be like, what our relationships are always going to be like. Jesus, we ask for healing. We ask for correct vision and view of who we are and who you've called us to be. And so, God, I just ask for the grace to believe you for this healing. I ask you for the grace to know you, to see you, to see ourselves correctly. Amen. So as I prayed this week, I, I received the word doubt. And I think doubt can take many different forms. There, there's self-doubt. There's doubt in God. Um, there's doubt in whether or not the world um, can live up to our expectations. But as, um, as I, as I um, thought about it, I, th I thought about this passage that I've been studying recently and when Jesus comes to, uh, walks on water and comes to the disciples in the, in the boat. And there are the disciples that sit back and they, they don't, they watch this, what they at first see as a, as a ghost. And, and then they realize that it's Jesus. And there are those that kind of sit back and, and their doubt keeps them still in the boat. And then there's Peter, who, who desires to get out of the boat. And he does. He asks Jesus, tell me to come to you, and I will. And he does. And yet he sees the wind and the waves, and he doubts, and he starts to sink. And Jesus is right there. But as you, as you um, as I pray today, I just, I just ask that you would um, ask God to show you what kind of, where are you at in that story? Are you sitting back in that boat? Are you, or do you have such a longing to actually be able to get out of the boat to see what God can do? Are you watching the wind and the waves? And I just, just invite you to receive this prayer. Dear Jesus, I, I thank you that you are gentle to us when we doubt. I thank you that you know what it is to be human. You know what it is to see the wind and the waves, and yet you never doubt. You never doubt. You know where true power lies. And so I pray for those that are crippled. They're not crippled by a sense of not knowing or being confused or needing insight. They're crippled by doubt. They're sitting back. They're unable to take a step, unable to move forward, even to what they know is true, even, to, in, even into 
They know who you've called them to be. They know who you are, but doubt is keeping them bound. And so I pray, I pray in your that you, that you would remove that doubt and in your power that you would remove that doubt and that they would be able to see your face, see your face, not the wind and the waves, not the storm, but that truly we can experience miracles. We can walk on water if we keep our eyes on you. Amen. Now, you don't have to wait till we're done. If you sense that you want to go and have someone pray with you, they're standing on the sides here. You can come down from the balcony. You can leave where you are and go over there. Nobody's going to um, be worried about that or pay attention to that. And if they bother you, just let me know, and I'll deal with them afterwards. But I would like to speak to two things this morning. One is, <clears throat> there may be someone, and I sense there's probably more than one person in this place who the doctor has said they don't have any answers for you. Basically, they've had to give up because they've reached the limits of their understanding. And that's a pretty overwhelming place to be. But there's a place that's even more overwhelming, and I sense that there may be people here who have given up on themselves or given up on their ability to find answers and so they've quit trying. Or maybe they're getting to the place where they just want to give up. And I want to pray for you today. And if that's you and you would like to, I encourage you to stand. And sometimes it's hard to come to Jesus by ourselves and there are stories we're going to hear about later in the book of Luke how people brought people to Jesus. And so if you have someone with you, you're welcome to turn to them and say, can you stand with me? That way it doesn't look like which one is the one that's needing the help. <laughs> or it could be that as you stand alone because you don't have anybody with you, that someone stands with you. Let's pray. Father, I was deeply moved this week to hear a mother say that if she could take the sickness of her child upon herself, she would because she couldn't stand to see her child suffer. And that struck me how much that is like you are Father God, who the scripture describes is like a hen who gathers her chicks around her. That's the way you do with us. And you can't stand to see us suffer. That's why you came through your son Jesus to suffer on our behalf so that by your stripes we would be healed. And so, Lord, I pray for those that have reached the end of either the doctor's rope or their own rope, that they would <clears throat> find within themselves the ability to say, I'm here for you, Jesus. Would you please heal me today? And allow them by faith to, uh, well, just let me pray it this way, Lord, is that faith would arise in their spirits, would arise in their souls at this very moment when they need you most. Help them, Lord to know that you have not given up, that you have only just begun. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
Church, I'm just going to ask you as I pray that if you're able to stand, if where you are, you will stand, um, all of us together. And as you've been invited, would you just be open to the word that the Spirit has for you? Spirit, we know. Gosh. We know that you don't convict to make us feel bad. You don't convict to restrict us, to harm us, you convict because you long to free us. You long to heal us and transform us and to bring us into right relationship with you where there is abundant life, where there is fullness of joy. So we thank you right now for each of us here that spirit, you're at work convicting and you're at work counseling. You're at work illuminating the scripture that we've read and that you're beckoning us closer. You're inviting us into closer relationship with you. So right now we pray against fear. We pray against shame in the name of Jesus for the things that, that we protect and cling to. Jesus, in the way that we ask you to shatter our doubts, we also ask you to shatter our beliefs because we box you in and we try to make you something that we want you to be, that we're comfortable with, that fits our image, that fits even what we think the world around us might, might want. But that is not who you are because you are a living, supernatural, powerful God who has authority over all things and you come to us in love and invite us to wholeness. So Jesus, right now, I just identify before you the couple of things that came to mind throughout, throughout this week that um, we know that we are a people that is numbed out. We know that we are a people that, that wants good things and when we don't get the good things that we think you should give us or that we think we're going to experience that we can step into we can take those longings in other directions and so for those of us here Jesus that are using technology in that way that we use technology to soothe us to comfort us to help us numb out Jesus we confess to you that that we're doing that and that it's not enough, that, that we want you to put that in the proper place because we want you. Jesus, for those of us here who have started to or struggled with using alcohol as a coping mechanism, just getting that, that drink at the end of the night, um, getting that time out, having fun with friends, and the ways that we have allowed that to be such a superficial way of meeting our needs. We confess to you, Jesus, we don't need that. We need you. We want you.
And Jesus, for those of us here who are struggling with disordered eating and disordered exercise, whether we're can't wait for the next thing that we get to taste or whether it is that we're denying and denying and denying because it gives us some sense of control. We confess that to you. It is not enough. It will never satisfy in the way that you can. We accept. We just want to say that we want to taste and see that you are good. Jesus, would you surprise us this week with your presence? We know that you are there and that we let things get in the way and all we have to do is turn to you. And so in your name, would you give us the strength to do that? Would you surprise us? Would you shatter us this week with your presence? And then would we be like the people who brought all of the sick to you for you to lay hands on them? Would we experience deep healing and transformation? Would you order our beliefs Would you order our longings with you being primary, with you being supreme, with you being the only one worthy, and would we accept that and live into that reality in a way that then we can bring others to you? And we ask all of this, Jesus, we know that the word amen means so be it. So church, right now, would you say in Jesus' name, so be it, so be it, amen.